All right, welcome to another episode of the Loaded Bases Podcast. As always, I am Nick Wilson, joined by my co-host Alessandro De Janeiro. Uh, we have a full show today. We're going to talk about the Mets and Yankees record. Uh, the Mets and Yankees both have respectively the best records in baseball. Uh, as of April 28th, we're about 20% of the season in. Uh, quick math. And uh, we have a lot to talk about. So let's uh, let's dive right in. following sports program is brought to you by the Loaded Bases Podcast. This is New York. Everybody link. Everybody. So, uh, we have a lot to talk about, but before we do, as I mentioned, today is April 28th, and the letter the the huge bombshell letter uh that was that was sealed and now it has been reopened uh it's like a transcript you know once you once you open it can't 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 submit it again it's 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 open you can't you can't look back no looking back um this huge letter uh was uh nothing burger it 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 the only new information on the the Yankees uh, sign stealing gate, which w- was nothing. Um, so uh, basically, the 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 I, I'm quoting directly from the athletic here, but it says, in the course of our investigation, however, we learned that the dur- that during an earlier championship season prior to 2017, um, the Yankees had violated a rule governing the use of the dugout phone. Manfred wrote to the public in 2017. The substance of communications that took place on the dugout phone was not a violation of any rule or regulation in and of itself. Rather, the violation occurred because the dugout phone technically cannot be used for such communication. So quickly, what I'm just breaking down here is, A, what was illegal was relaying the information, right? So you can't do that in real time, which makes sense. The other thing that I think we should provide color here is that and I think that people you know the the two ways of looking at it which I think are both valid is one in a vacuum this is cheating but the other part of it is that when because MLB failed to have any sort of regulation prior to I mean this was going on presumably for years prior to any of these investigations or, or, or you know the Astros or whatever uh, teams essentially were like begging MLB to do something about it. MLB didn't do anything. And so teams were essentially forced to like, like, listen, if we're going to win this game, we, we can't have the other team knowing our signs and us just sitting here with our hands in our lap. Like it literally created a situation where teams almost a thousand percent, almost, I would imagine every team was doing it. It just, the Yankees, we're one of the teams that were just made an example of, you know, for a number of different reasons. But, um, you know, they, they also like the Yankees were one of the teams that really were communicating with Manfred and therefore they admitted themselves to doing it. But I don't think they're any more guilty than the average team. Uh, and we definitely know they're less guilty because every other team was less guilty than the Astros and probably the right. And the letter also says the letter does say that they did not defy any rules. So I want to pump the brakes on any illegal stuff. Well, Seriously. this is a I'm, well, that was a direct. Not, well. We're not getting into a debate about it. We're not getting into yeah. a debate about it. But the letter says they did not defy any rules, and and the majority of these things that the Yankees were accused of doing were not l- written into rule until September of 2017. Well, so and and once Major League Baseball told them to stop, they stopped. And the letter also says that numerous teams throughout MLB were doing the exact same thing. I think it's fair to say that most teams probably had some sort of system. The Yankees using phones to relay signs on second base was probably the standard. But, but it, the, word, the way you word it matters. The Yankees were not using phones to relay signs. The Yankees used a replay room, and then they got the information from the replay room, and then they gave a sign to the runner on base who then relayed a sign to the batter. 
when they did not when they were at away stadiums in specific stadiums where they did not have the replay room next then they used the dugout phone so yes they, they used, used the dugout, dugout phone, phone. That's it wasn't what like I'm they were just but i know but it's like but you but the way you're wording it makes it sound well, like they I'm were just quoting it I'm quoting the, the direct I'm literally quoting the Manfred on this so this is this is from the letter um Redacted, meaning the informant, also admitted that during the same time period, in certain stadiums on the road where the video room was not proximate to the dugout, the Yankees used the phone line in the replay room to orally provide real-time information. So it was happening on the road in specific stadiums. So it wasn't like the Yankees were at home picking up the dugout phone like constantly to like relay signs. They had their replay room right there. They were getting, they were getting the signs. Because the replay room was directly next to the dugout. And that's how it is in most stadiums. But there were some stadiums where it wasn't, and they had to use the dugout phone. The dugout phone was told to them to only be used to make, like, pitching changes or whatever it was supposed to make. That's why they got the $100,000 yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah, and and they used And they used the dugout phone, which, yeah, again, was technically they weren't supposed to do. But it wasn't like they were using it constantly. They were using it in specific situations when they were on the road and they had to use it. Well, I think it. the specific punishments, Whatever. yeah. Whatever. I think the specific punishments really don't matter. I think what really matters most is the context, the overarching context, which is that, like, yes, we can talk about the Yankees as a specific team, but they're really just a proxy for the mess that was the sign stealing uh, fiasco of the, you know, 20. I mean, we don't even know how far it goes back. So I also find it ironic that it's like the two worst teams of the past 20 years of the Yankees teams that were using in 2015 and 2016. Maybe, but I get it doesn't it, honestly, like I think really people hear the names also and they, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, and they want to assign like specific unique values uh, to these teams, like they're the bad ones, but it's like, I think any, anybody who really understands the situation knows that like it was MLB's fault because they were not governing anything. They were so slow to, right, exactly. to provide any sort but of like adjudication. So, um, but that's kind of like what MLB is all about. These, these, they've never policed anything ever. There's how many we've gone over this before when we went over it when the Astros originally got caught. The MLB has never policed a damn thing. There's always cheating widespread throughout the league all the time. But then there's like you like there's like levels. Well, then this it, is also which is why some of it uh, a huge yeah. thing with I mean uh, fans of course always uh, are are so much more closely intertwined in terms of their you know admiration for for their relationships with teams and players. So MLB being slow to uh, react to something like this really affects players and teams disproportionately than the institution of MLB because we care more about the Yankees. Like it's, it's, it's easy to love or, or, or really hate if you're not a Yankees fan, the Yankees, it's easy to love and hate the Red Sox or the Astros. Like, honestly, it's kind of good for the game. If depending on if you think all publicity is good publicity, um, I don't know how I feel about that, but, Regardless, uh, MLB being slow hurts mostly uh, the teams or, or affects maybe is a better word, the teams and, and players. But um, we should probably move on. Um, yeah, I on. would I think a great place to start um, uh, is is the fact that the, the Mets and Yankees are both atop their divisions uh, in the in the standings. Uh, the Yankees won today. They beat the Orioles, I think, ten to five. Um, and they, they're, I think, they are. Uh, what they win? They won five in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And now they are in the yeah. win column. They're tied in the loss column. They're they're thirteen and six. The Blue Jays are thirteen and seven. Um, the Mets are also in uh, the first twenty games. They are fourteen and six. So. Um, the Mets have the best winning percentage in baseball, but the Yankees, uh, in terms of wins, are are right there um, atop their division. And I think that's a really good time because you know we're 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 an eighth of the way through the year, right? Quick math: twenty percent. Uh, I mean, twenty games. Excuse me, one hundred sixty-two. So not perfect math, but um, I think it's a really good time to to look at like the, what the teams look like right now and uh, what we buy, what has caused the Mets and Yankees to 
you know, win the amount of games that they have, all the factors that have gone in and, and what we think is going to stick and what we haven't. So I guess starting with the Mets, uh, Alessandra, from what, from the games that you've seen and from some of the player performances we've seen, like we'll go through, you know, strength of schedule and specific moments, but like, you know, coming off of the Mets win the other night where they like stole that game from the Cardinals, uh, uh, you know, five unearned runs in the ninth, They've, they have not, they have yet to lose a series this year. Like what are, I guess I'll start with you. What are, and I'll go, what are some of your thoughts on, on the Mets early success? And of course we'll get to the Yankees after, but. Well, I'm going to make this point more so with the Yankees, but I think that it's entirely too early to, to start uh, make, drawing any conclusions for either team, especially when you look at the teams. I mean, with the Yankees, I'm going to get into it more because when you look at the Yankees, they just come, came off a series sweep of the, Guardians and then the Orioles. It's actually six wins in a row. So I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna draw any grand conclusions over that. Um, Mets, same thing. Kind of, I think depth of schedule matters. But with the Mets, I would say, in more of a general sense, it's clear that this team has some type of edge to them um, and has developed some type of culture. I think, obviously, thanks to Buck Showalter and. Um, you know, they, they have fight. You know what I mean? Like, what happened with them the other day, with the with yesterday, actually, with the Cardinals. Uh, first of all, Arenado. Like, what are you doing? Well, 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 well. Like, he's a human. He's a human being. Like he's a human being. He's a human being. But, like, he's a multiple like, platinum Buck had the best club line. winner. No, Buck had the best line, though. Buck said, uh, oh, you, they, when they asked him about are it. You referring to him getting, said, are you referring to him getting almost hit, or are you referring to making a throwing error? With the ball. Almost oh, getting oh, hit. Oh, no, no, no. I thought you were talking about the throwing error. I was like, he's a human being. Yeah, like, that's right. I forgot what? the Arenado is the one that yeah, threw which Yeah, which is surprising, like, right? Like, But, yeah. Anyway. But Buck had the best line. Buck was like, our guy got hit in the head and walked the first base. The Mets are the number one team right now in terms of getting hit by a pitch. I don't know what that's 19 about. times. I mean, I think it just might be bad luck. Uh, yeah. I, I hope it's just It's bad partly luck. bad luck. But they definitely have some edge to them. Lindor has obviously gotten off to a hot start this season, so that that you like to see that obviously because if Lindor can be can bounce back, it changes the trajectory of your team in terms of the fact that your one of your your highest paid position player is now performing, you know, at his peak value, therefore taking off the pressure off of him obviously and then the rest of the team because what's the mood in the clubhouse when your number one guy is struggling? Obviously, we saw it last year. It leads to dysfunction. It leads to like resentment towards the fans when the fans in New York, because being successful in New York is really difficult. It leads to that entire situation that you saw with the thumbs down. You saw it with Julius Randle and the Knicks, right? It, so when your top player, and in baseball, we're talking, there's two different sides to that. So obviously, Lindor is your top position player, is performing the rest of the team will follow. And then, I don't know, they just have character. They have character. I like this team. I like this team. I'm not usually high on the Mets. I'm not necessarily high on them. I don't know. I can't tell you right now, like, if it's going to sustain. Because we just did our projections, you know, last week. I, I'm, I'm not going to, just because of a one week, then change our projections on them where we thought they were going to be an 89, 90 win Well, I team. thought they were going to be a, we were I, really I, well said, I said uh, 85 to eight, uh, 85 to 89. Yeah, yeah. I think I gave them like ninety one. No, you said like between like ninety one. Are we then? Right. So are we then going to like just completely turn around on that after after one week? Well, no, no, no. no. So, you know, we so have I to think, see if this carries out. I think what we're doing right now is diagnosing and symptoms, right? So it's like we can look at what is happening and then kind of see like specifically the things that are going to stick. Like a couple of things that I, you know, have have looked at. Right. When when I look at the Mets and seeing like, OK, is is this sustainable? Like, does the product on the field match the record? And like in in early on, I think it it does. It, uh, for, and I'll start with a few things like the offense. Right. So I think what the other night taught us where, you know, you're de- the Mets are essentially uh, one strike away from losing against probably one of the best closers in baseball. Um, and I was watching that game and, and immediately I'm like, they're done. They're going to lose because I, quite frankly, that it's very unlikely that any team wins that game. Uh, I think a hundred times, you know, you roll a dice. I think the Mets probably lose that game most times, but 
you know, the, uh, uh, Eduardo Escobar has shown he's a very patient veteran hitter. He gets on base with two outs. Then you have a player like uh, Mark Cotta, who runs, works a deep count, and then he forces the defense to make a play. Um, and then yeah. you have Dom Smith, who hustled down the line when he realized that the pitcher was slow to get off the mound. And then you had Jeff McNeil, who has has looked really good. He looks like vintage Jeff McNeil, the Jeff McNeil who's batted 300, you know, five times in his career. Like, I think what that game showed us is that the Mets have, in terms of the offense, many weapons in the offense. I think that they're patient, right? If you look at, they have t- they have so far the most at-bats of any team uh, right now. They're, they, they have 673 at-bats. The next best team is weirdly the Washington Nationals at 650. Now the Washington Nationals being second shows you that this is entirely a very small sample, but exactly. but I will right. say though they are also uh and I will preface what I'm about to say with the fact that like they the rankings as early are are weird. Like they are 10th or tied for 10th fewest strikeouts uh in the majors which is great because they have the most at bats so that obviously you get, you know, you, they have probably fewer strikeouts per, per at bat than most teams, but like they're tied for 10th fewest, like, uh, with the, um, with the tigers at 149, And then the next three teams, uh, the Dodgers, the Mariners and the Astros all have 148. So it's like they're, so right. like they're top, they're top like eight, seven ish, you know, six ish in, in strikeouts, fewest strikeouts. Um, and they're a very. But here's my well, question. I'm just saying they're a very patient team, um, and they have a lot of ways to beat you. But yeah, go ahead. But is this one one of the issues that we had with the Mets uh, when we were talking about last episode? Is how much did they really improve? And clearly, they obviously went out and they and they improved on the offensive end. But is this team prone to being streaky? You can't know that. No, until right. we're about well, a well, month that's... and a half, two months into the season, and that's what I'm worried about because we're looking at players who have had off years consecutively over the past two years and are now starting to come back and turn it back up. So we have to first make sure that the team isn't streaky. And then the other thing that would worry me about the Mets is that is their pitching. Is their pitching going to be deep enough to carry them throughout the entire 162-game season, which is a complete, like, it's a complete, like, drag race to the fucking finish line. It's a complete slaw. So... You know, is Chris Bassett going to be able to carry you? Is Taiwan Walker? Um, are you being able to rely on Peterson or Miguel? Are these guys going to are going to carry you for the remainder of the season? And then you also have to remember that you're getting Degrom back, but how much can he give to you? So there's there's just not enough of a sample size to understand what the team can do going deep into the season, and I think that we it's it's hard to, for fans to get used to that again. Because we had the twenty, uh, we had the sixty-game season, obviously in twenty twenty, but then last year was a little bit of a weird season, just because we knew that the lockout was going to come, and then we weren't sure what was happening with the lockout, and then also everything was social media now, so like now we got everything like happening like immediately. So when a team is on an instant hot streak in the er- in early days of April, you have to pump the brakes just a little bit because you don't know in the dog days of June, July, and August, what this team is going to yeah, do. Yeah, well, so, okay, a, a couple things uh, that you mentioned that I will, you know, we'll, we'll get to the pitching in a, in a moment. Um, I will say with the offense, you mentioned players that are inconsistent year in, year out. Uh, I will say that I don't actually think the Mets have many players on the roster right now that are inconsistent year in, year out. Um, I think that one of the players that was guilty of that was Michael Conforto, who's not with the team anymore. And I, I think that McNeil had one down. Well, year. you mentioned Jeff McNeil. Yeah. I mean, he had one, one down year. He's batted 500, like most. Right. Of but fourth. McNeil's also 32 years He's old. 31. But I mean, he came, he came up old. when he was 26. So it, it, Jeff McNeil, actually, I've heard people say like he was one of the easiest bounce back candidates to predict ever. I actually completely disagree with that. I think he's probably one of the hardest just because late bloomers are so hard to predict. Uh, he doesn't really walk much. Right. He doesn't really strike out much. His profile is very unique, but he so far he's making quality. Right, but what I'm saying is when you look at McNeil, McNeil, obviously, I mean, like, 
if you can get Peak McNeil, you're talking about almost like a three eighty. He's also batting sixth and seventh, two ninety over, which is like right. wild right. to think exactly. about in this lineup. Which um, it also gives him a lot of opportunities to like produce runs. But you know, you look at Lindor's numbers, which have have trended downwards over the past three years. I don't, I don't think that's you look true. Look at a guy like Kana. Honestly. Is he going to be? It is true. I mean, it's just it's it is a hundred percent true. I I don't. He can obviously turn it around. He's having a great start to the season. But since 2019, his numbers have trended down. I think of you. I mean, his numbers in 2019 were a downgrade from his numbers in 2018. Well, his numbers in 2018 numbers in were bananas, were really high. Like it's hard to repeat. Right. Well, 2018. Were, I mean, bananas is bananas is a is a stretch. Hey, 28. His numbers in in 2018 is in 2018 they were really they were good. they were amazing. He was really good in 2018. He was good in 2019, but again, it, but I'm only reason why if you, you count 2020 and then an anomaly on, on. year you're, in 2021, I feel like that's kind you're of you're using 2019, you're using 2019 as if I'm like using that as like a, I'm only using that as an example because of what happened in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, I, I think it's right? hard to. I'm not sustain. saying that 2019 was a bad year. I'm saying in comparison, if you look at his three his stats over a three-year period they trended downwards starting at 2019 if you compared that to 2018 2017. sure but but the That's data I mean. set the i'm data, not saying that 2019 the was, data set is flawed because 2020 if you're talking about a four-year trend you look at 2020 that you almost have to okay, throw good it point. out the window okay, fine. Good point. and then 2021 good point, good point. If twenty look, I would I would honestly agree with you if twenty twenty one was like a slight sl- slight downgrade, let's say from like twenty nineteen or twenty like yeah twenty nineteen, but it was so bad that I kind of also feel like it's not a fair way to compare like twenty eighteen. Also, we had the rabbit ball in twenty twenty, so it's like there's a lot of weird statistical things that we have to consider over the past few years. I would stay away from trends with Lindor. I will say, however, he is going in like like nuts right now and it's kind of hard to know i like i do agree uh with francisco lindor specifically because he is the mets number three hitter he's going to be a pivotal part of this team i mean he's making 300 million dollars uh like i think it's it's he is a huge a hugely important person um like right now i don't know he's like he's He's batting 273 with a 360 on base percentage. He has four home runs, 13 RBIs. Like, that's kind of what I would imagine. Like, I don't know. That seems like pretty on on pace with like what I would suspect. But either way, I think one of the things with this offense that honestly makes me again, I'm the pessimist here. If you want to talk like Mets fans, like I have a lower expectations. But I think the offense is actually not the thing I'm worried about. I think they have so many ways. To, to beat you I think the thing that that well they have depth finally well not it but that's, it's not even the, I the think this thing that's it's not even the depth it's that this is a team full of players who can get on base in multiple ways they can hit the home run they can they can walk they walk a lot they they're a patient team they're striking out uh most of the players on this team are not big strikeout guys. Like, well, that's three true outcomes. That's not really getting on base anyway. Home run, um, walk, strike. No, but if you're a patient hitter, you can. It, it's more likely that you're gonna get on base. Right. Like, Listen, I know, I know well about about being a patient hitting team. I mean, it can lead. Like, what, the most important thing you want to do is get on base. Yeah, and because once and you're on base, then you can. Create I, I runs. do think maybe they. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I I, I kind of think like. They also have like they have guys they have a, guys who can do pretty much anything. You can you top of your lineup is Nimmo. Like he can he can uh he gets on base a lot. You have Starling Marte who can steal a base. Like we've literally seen Starling Marte manufacture runs almost single handedly. Like I just think this is a team that has a lot of ways to beat you offensively. And like you're right, teams do slump and it's early, so it's hard. We it's not even it's not even like warm yet. Like we don't even know how these guys are going to do, but the the league average batting average is like 230 and the Mets are, what are they? I think as a team collectively, they're uh, batting like 260 at 259 as of today. Like I think that they are going to be fine offensively. It's, it's their, their pitching. pitching. It's their pitching. Uh, and I will say it's also their schedule. Like I think they have not been tested yet. Um, well, 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 actually I'm glad that you mentioned that because I have recently just uh, recovered from COVID. I didn't really have much to do. I'm doing okay, thankfully. But um, nobody asked. Nothing. I was just bored one day, and I was looking at uh, I was looking at the Mets schedule, 
And I was like, oh, the schedule's been kind of light. And I just was like, let me just go take a look at it. And I was looking at it, and I was like, am I, like, completely, like, bugging? Or does this look like, like one of the easiest schedules I've seen in a long time? So I looked it up. And in terms of degree of difficulty, they're ranked 27th in the league, which makes them the fourth easiest schedule in the league. So that's definitely going to help a lot, especially in a year where the the playoffs are expanded. Um I don't think you and I have any doubts about the Mets going to the playoffs, especially because the playoffs are expanded. Um, I don't. I don't know. Um, Again, like I don't. It's going. It is going to matter when they get into the when they get into. I do the, think there are a lot of good teams, so I. I I can't really say with like I'm not like with complete certainty though the Mets are gonna get into the playoffs. I don't think that. Um, but I, I I think that well, there's seven teams getting in from the NL. Can I name seven teams that are gonna beat the Mets from getting into the playoffs? I don't know. I, if I, can. I think you I think you could name seven teams that could make the playoffs in the Giants, Dodgers, Padres. We got that down. The Brewers and the Cardinals. Wait, time out, time out, time out. Yeah. So yeah. So Brewers. All right. Okay, I'll give it right? to you. Like, yeah. I'm, Brewers, I, Cardinals, I would, Giants, Dodgers, Padres, Phillies, Braves, Mets. Right? Like, I, I think any one so, of those teams so could that conceivably means that, make the playoffs. But that, that that's eight teams. That's eight teams, so one team would be left out. I would guess it would be the Phillies. I would, too, or the Cubs, even though I do like the Cubs. But also, like, the, the Brewers. Kind of out. The, the Brewers are actually one of my, like, favorite teams to, to like – the Brewers are going to the playoffs. I, so I don't. Brewers, I'm not I, sure I, if that's if I, true though, because like, so I, I actually, I would, I would, I, I will actually fully just like uh, allow this tangent, and then we'll kind of like. Wait, can I just say one thing before you start? There's seven teams going to the playoffs. We have to remember that. I don't think we're like letting that set in. We There's do. There's more teams. We're used to four teams going. We're used to four teams going. There's seven teams. So going. what I'll say though is this, right? Um, and we'll we'll kind of hop back to the Mets pitching in a second, and, and and the schedule, and also the you know the other teams in the division. But we, you know, whatever. Let's honor this tangent because, uh, you know, two gentlemen with ADHD. Let's just do it. Uh, no, but so so the <laughs> Brewers. I think they're extremely interesting because they have they are one of the worst hitting teams in in the league. Like, which is weird because they have such a hitter's ballpark. Um, but they are. I mean, not the fact that they're batting 207, but they have one of the worst offenses in the game. But when you look at their pitching staff, I I made a bet last year. It's, been, it's insane. It's, I made a bet last year that three uh, Brewers would get Cy Young votes. Freddie Peralta, I'm not really sure how he didn't get any Cy Young votes, but between him, Corbin Burns, who won the Cy Young, and Brandon Woodruff, that's already three amazing pitchers Eric Lauer who's like their fourth starter got 13 K's last week uh and then Aaron Ashby who is if you haven't seen him pitch he's unbelievable he's a reliever with probably some of the most insane raw stuff in the game they're now stretching him out to be a reliever and he had a perfect game I think through like five innings or four innings uh yesterday against the Pirates so like they're wild. Their pitching is, and also the bullpen. Like we haven't even talked. So they're a wild team. I think they're really interesting, and I believe they're in first place despite having like one of the worst offenses. Having seven. one of the worst the same, offenses uh, in the game. Yeah. So they're like I don't know. They're like bizarre. But anyway, get to get to the back to the point. If you look at the division, one of the callouts that I've made is that the Marlins are secretly very good. I still believe that. Oh, you're talking about the NL. Now, the, now the, I'm talking. The, now I'm talking about the East. Yes, because we, we would be remiss. We we looked at the, you know, we uh, the Marlins are in second. I, did, I think I thought you said the Nationals. No, 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 the Marlins are in the second. Are the second. the Nationals were second yeah. in terms of at bats. That's what I was saying before. But oh, okay. But but okay. so they're three games back. They're ten and eight. The Marlins are like good. I I don't know why people don't understand that that the Marlins are I good. Know. Like I don't get it either. It, yeah. That's a good if point. you look at the if point. you look at the Marlins lineup like there it's a deep lineup i mentioned last week that uh, <laughs> jesus sanchez is literally like hitting the ball uh hard on like on like john like poor man's giancarlo stanton levels like he is smoking pitches right and left he has uh, some of the most hard hit balls this year he's their fourth hitter um they've got a really deep lineup really got guys like most people don't know like 
you know, Garrett Cooper, who was a former Yankee, who is who is fantastic. Like Brian uh, Brian Reynolds, or not Brian Reynolds. I'm uh, I'm sorry. Um, their third baseman, um, uh, uh, Brian Anderson. Apologize. So, um, right. and they also went out and they signed Jorge, Jorge Soler, Jazz Chisholm, so who has been moves. going off. Yeah. I love uh, Avisail Garcia, uh, who's, you know, I mean, hit 30 home runs. And not to mention their pitching. And not to mention their pitching. So uh, it's a good, it's a well-balanced team. They acquired team, Tanner Scott if, from the Orioles, who's fantastic. Right. Anthony Bass, like they've got a great bullpen too. I, I don't know. I right. don't know why people discount them. But. Well, I think, I think, I think more so with the Marlins, the Marlins have been coming for a long time. Yes. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can make a late run this year, especially with the expanded playoffs and make. So that's why the the National League is dangerous. It is very dangerous. So I'm, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna. There's no guarantees, but I think as of right now, I also think I know, actually, no, because it's that. also like when when we what, God, it's so thick. Well, no, no, no. So when I, it's so like delicate in terms of like the, if you look at the Mets roster. And I don't want to like just jump like right back into like their pitching, but like if you look at their roster in terms of like their pitching, and then you think about the entire season, and you think about based on the rest of the teams in the National League, it's so easy which way it can go. But I think that they need to do more in terms of acquiring pitching, maybe at the deadline to shore up the bullpen, maybe. Well, um, I, I will say in order to guarantee like a deep run. I will say okay so just going back like let's say the Mets like because what they've done is beat the teams that they should beat like I think the old adage is right like go 500 against the good teams and then and then win series versus the teams that you should beat right so the Mets have done that and and then some again they've won every series this this so so far uh I think if you look at the you know again like they've had a very easy schedule when you start to look at the Braves who are uh, I think in in fourth place, like I I think that's not gonna really stick. Uh, I think the Braves are gonna be much no. better. And they just got back. Acuna. They got back Acuna. Like I also think like if you look at the Braves' schedule, um, their first four games were versus the Nationals. They lost two out of three, or uh, um, to the Nationals. Like I'm sorry, their their first their schedule was uh, the Reds for four games. The Nationals, they lost the series. The Padres, they split the series. The Dodgers, they lost the series. Marlins, they lost the series. Now they're facing the Cubs. Um, I, I don't know what they have. I, they're they're going to pick it up. They're going to pick it up. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, if you look at, again, the Braves, they're coming. Like, they're coming. Like, I think the Braves are their ultimately their biggest threat, and the Braves are, are in uh, – they haven't they have yet to play the Braves yet. So, like, they haven't played the, the Braves when they're bad also. Like, the Braves are going to turn it around, like – Max Freed looks amazing. Like he went seven innings against the Dodgers, who are the best team in baseball, got seven Ks. The Dodgers were also patient. Like the only person on the 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 Braves I worry about right now is Charlie Morton. He hasn't looked. Uh, he looks. I'm I'm a little concerned. Like he had that ankle injury last year. I, he's also like what like 39. Like little concerned. But Kyle Wright has all, like looked amazing. So like, and Ian Anderson I think is is coming into his own. So it's like. I don't know. I, I just think that they're they're going to be fine. They're also like, yeah, like you said, they're getting their MVP candidate back. So like, I don't know. I, I just I just think that that when you look at the division and you look at this the uh, the factors like the the um, the teams that their rivals have played, I do think that there's going to be some regression for the Mets. The biggest factor that we haven't talked about, and I've sort of been like waiting to do so, is the is the pitching, okay. and then we'll and then we'll move back on to the Yankees. But yeah, we're, we just passed the thirty minutes. Okay, we'll right we'll now. we'll wrap up the Mets uh, after this. But um, I've been really debating whether I think that Carl uh, that Tyler McGill is legit. I have still I am still not yet decided, but I will say that the increased velocity uh, on his pitches and increased movement uh, on his slider uh, are very noticeable. And one thing that really stands out is the amount of whiffs he's getting on his pitches. Like that's usually a sign that you're getting like, like noticeable results. Like whiffs are like called strikes are kind of dependent on like umpires. It's dependent on the batter it's a little more volatile. 
all these stats are volatile early on. But one thing that's consistent is the increased velocity. And, and also Tyler McGill has always been a person that pounds the zone and has had good command. Like he limits base runners because of that. So it's like, it's interesting that Jeremy Hefner connection. I I think of guys who have made like, you know, minor tweaks that have shown good results. Like, uh, Andrew Haney recently, or like Jake Odorizzi, but if you look at Andrew Haney, oh my god! Well, if well, if you look at the, uh, I think the, I don't know. I, I think if you look at the increased fastball velocity and relying on uh, fastballs high in the zone, I think Jake Odorizzi is a great example because he started doing it in Minnesota with when Jeremy Hefner, who's the Mets pitching coach, was Jake Odorizzi's pitching coach. And if you look at a lot of the right. ways that the twins did well in the, I think it was like the 1920 seasons was increased velocity and increased uh, amount of fastballs high in the zone. That's been Tyler McGill's bread and butter, but it's very hard to live there consistently. Like, so I'm, I, I don't know how this is going to sustain over the course of the year, but he's getting the whiffs. He's increased his movement on his fastball significantly uh, year in, year out. So, and also, he's got great secondary pitches, but like, you know, the rosters are 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 getting, you know, uh, they're 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 uh, shortening next, and you know, it's it's going from twenty eight to right. twenty six. So who's the odd man out on this Mets team? And I'm thinking, like, is it Trevor Williams? Is it Robinson Cano, who's been awful? Like. Well, I don't think it, I was going to ask you that, but I don't think it can be. Well, Cano. right. But horrible. isn't that what are they going to But do? that's crazy because like that's a really tough decision. But I'm looking at like the Mets bullpen and I'm looking at guys who are out of options. And it's like I like I, I, I think uh, Sean Reed Foley is out of options. He's he's not great. You're not like. They're, well, the, the Mets are going to be more prone to wanting to keep pitchers because of injury, just in case, because of the shortened spring training. Right, but and they, they and don't have the, much depth, yeah. which is it like like no, Trevor Trevor Williams pitched a game the other day, and they sent David Peterson down. David Peterson also like I don't know I, I'm not I've also never been super high on David Peterson. I think he's he's like that quintessential like you know unfortunate he's a first rounder, but like a former first rounder rather, but like. I think he's going to be like a, you know, relatively serviceable pitcher who's going to do okay against medi- mediocre teams and get blown up by the Dodgers. That's just like, like I think he's just that typical lefty with like good, not great stuff. That's just like, you know, has has had struggle, you know, struggled with command and and doesn't have great secondary stuff. Like I don't know. I just think like yeah, you're getting Taiwan Walker back and that's great, but like. I don't, I don't, I just feel like they're, they have, they have such little depth. There's nobody in the minors in terms of starting pitchers. Yeah. There's no backup. There's no backup right now. So I don't really, and the bullpen has been like also like good, not great, very spotty, very shaky early on. Um, because it is a spotty and shaky bullpen in general. It, it is like, I, I think, um, what you cannot, yeah. No, no, no. I would say that, like, you have Edwin Diaz, who I think has been great. You have Seth Lugo, who's been shaky. You have Trevor May, who's been okay. Like, you know, I would say a little shaky. I always say that ERA is actually a terrible way to look at relievers because, like, they inherit runners. So it's not like they're not going to – their job is still not done if you – if you – if the runs are charged to the starting pitcher. (laughs) Like – and then – yeah, exactly. And yeah. the Mets have Mets pitchers have blown several leads this year. They've walked several batters. Right. Like it's just not reflected in the ERA because it's definitely they're not right. There. They're not charged for it. Like Trevor May has come in and walked the first batter I've seen several times. Like, um, you know, Adam Adovino is somebody who's struggled with control. He's actually been very good so far. Um, don't don't fall. Well, into I, I mean, the problem with Adam Adovino, and I can speak from experience, is that Adovino is a great first half pitcher for whatever reason. But once you start getting into the dog days, he falls off a cliff. And what you need to look at is his batting average against. His batting average against is always way higher than it should be for any type of relief pitcher. Yeah. So, right. So, I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Like, I, I, I think they have some good 
relievers. Like I think they have like a Chase and Shreve who's been great. Drew Smith has Drew Smith. Drew. I've been talking about Drew Smith for a while now, and I think he's fantastic. But like Trevor May's fine. Like I don't know. I was really hype on Trevor May when he first came into the league. Like I know I just literally just said like ERA is a terrible stat to look at, but like he has an eight five three ERA right now. Uh, so. I don't know. I, I think this is a team that, like... Well, 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 ERA is a terrible stat to look at for relievers because they inherit runs, and sometimes when those runs are scored, it isn't tacked onto their earned run average. But if a reliever's ERA is 8.9-something, that's a problem. Right, because if they were if they because were charged, runs. then they... The get, earns that yeah. you earned. So I think ultimately what my, 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 my point really is just that, like, yeah, offense is great. Pitching, starting pitching has been fantastic. Like, I think also the one thing we can say at this point is that Carlos Carrasco is back in some legitimate capacity. Um, I think that health was like really the biggest, the biggest thing for us. And we've seen that he's going deep into games. He's pitching 90 plus pitches, you know, against the Giants. He like, I was at that game. He completely shut them down. Um, now, granted, the Giants went on to win their next four, so maybe the Giants were a little sleepy when they faced the Mets. But, like, let's give credit where credit's due. I think that uh, Carlos Carrasco got a number of whiffs that game. Again, talking about whiffs, that's a, a sign that a pitcher's doing their job. Um, so, and, and their pitches are are being deceptive. So, you know, he's 35, but but he's looked fine, and so... Basically, it's like if anything goes wrong to the starting staff, there is a problem. <laughs> like that's a very big ask of a major league baseball team. So that's why I still am comfortable with the projection that I had, like about 85-ish wins. Like I would probably lean over, but like I think that probably sneaks them into the playoffs as a, as a wild card team or maybe more. And again, it's probably weird to say considering they're in first place. But I genuinely believe they have not been challenged, um, significantly at least. You know, the Cardinals, they beat they won that's their biggest challenge so far. Uh and they've come to the they've come to, you know, they've done well, but much, much more need still needed to prove. Um anyway, all right, let's get let's get to the Yankees. So I, I uh I will I will refer to you. Well, I mean, we don't have to I I I for whatever reason I feel like there's more, there was more, there's more to like discuss when involving the Mets because of how delicate that team is and 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 al- and also because of like the projections that we have for them. But the Yankees I think have been a little bit as advertised. Um what's been surprising to me is the pitching and the depth of the pitching. And I think you and I were talking about this, you know, we were texting about this. The Yankees I think you can make the argument have one of the deepest um, pitching staffs. Well, I've said baseball. they have the deepest. Um, I, I and, texted they had, they had the deepest. Yeah, yeah in baseball. I, I, no, it's definitely it's it's definitely up there. I, and when you, if not the deepest, but if and, and it's also funny because you know the wise guy hasn't had a, a he had a good game today, but he has he hasn't had a great start to the season. So obviously, if he gets clicking, then all of a sudden. Now you really have the staff because now you have your setup man, aka no, but you have closer. Clay Holmes who's been setting up. Right, you have Clay Holmes. I know, but he's been setting up in abs in the absence of Luisca. Being sure, but born. but he's you know been, what I, mean? I mean he's been a great setup. Yeah, I mean I, I I'll take Clay Holmes every day of the week. You have the emergence of Michael King finally. Um, you have Ch- Chad Green. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Chad Green. Lucas Lickey is obviously a solid option. You have Peralta, Clark Schmidt. Where you Michael love King, Clark Schmidt can like bring his Michael King. That's oh, what yeah, I just said. Yeah. The emergence of Michael King. I mean, Michael King is is. You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. With would Michael you put King. him in the rotation, or would you no. keep him as like a, a no, fireman? No, I keep him where he is. That's interesting. Especially pitchers are creatures of habit, and I think we've seen so often before where there's been someone who has been successful as an eating inner, as an eating inner, as an innings eater, and then they try to transition them to the starting rotation, and then they kind of fall off. I mean, he's there as an option. But you know he's I mean? made he's spot starts before, though. Right, he has, well. but it, but again, it's but it's like it's more in like that opener role. To I feel like he's been good in every role they've put him in. Right. Well, that wasn't the case. It hasn't always been the case with Michael King, though. You know, the, he hasn't always been like. You're solid. right, but I think that was him. more true earlier in his career, though. Like you're 100 well, percent right. Mean, I, last he's year he wasn't. I have sure, to. Pull, I don't have his stats up right, like in, directly in front of me. 
Um, I'm pulling them up right now. But if I remember correctly, last year was a little shaky, a little up and down. Um, I could pull it up right here. Well, pitching development uh, is non-linear is a non-linear thing. I will of course, say, so of it's very hard saying, to it, like. It is. It is. It is clear that he's finally like settling down. And then you have obviously Nestor Cortez. I mean, Nestor Cortez is my guy. Um, I'm Nasty getting like Nestor. big. I'm I'm getting big Aaron Small vibes from him. Because that was kind of the fear was that he was going to be an Aaron Small type, but it's clearly he's not. He's 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 continuing it. Um, but, well, I will uh, quickly yeah. quickly interrupt you. Just like I think one of the things that I really think Michael King does well is for specifically Yankee Stadium, he's so good at limiting home runs, which is kind of like right. the biggest. He which did not. He didn't give up a home run in all of September last year. Fun fact. So like. And actually, all of oh no 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 I, I was gonna say all of July, but he pitched one game in July. So, but yeah, um, I, I I think he's a he's a he you know he the Yankees have done well to uh, have guys who induce weak contact and it, uh, keep the ball on the ground for the most part. We know this about Jordan Montgomery. We know this about uh, Garrett Cole, right? We know this about Nestor Cortez, Jonathan Lewisica, Chad Green, like. This is a team that's, you know, done well to 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 and the, to, to play to their ballpark with the pitching and um, and 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 Michael King is no different, right? And twenty strikeouts in thirteen innings. I mean, that's we'll take that any day of the week. Um, but so I think that when it comes to because we were talking about with the Mets, what can you get from this early on in the season with the Mets and given their roster construction it's a little shaky and it's a little hard to predict what they can do throughout the season. It's a little bit similar with the Yankees, but on the flip side, I can trust that the Yankees have enough depth in their They're pitching starting, staff, yeah. especially because they can starting depth and reliever depth because they can always go into their farm system. They have guys in AAA, which they can call up. Um, and, and it's more so the fact, can the Yankees offense stay healthy and be consistent? And we were, you know, kind of a little confused about the Yankees trading um, Urshela, who, by the way, is having a good season. Trading well, he's, Urshela, he's for batting fourth like Donaldson. every day for <laughs> right. the Twins. I mean, Minnesota. I mean, yeah. And Gary I mean, Sanchez he, is having he, an okay year too. He's. Uh, I looked at his stat. I can't. I don't have him in front of me, but I looked at his stats yesterday to see how he's doing. He's not doing great. Uh, it's like a typical. It's like you a know who's also Gary falling Sanchez. off a cliff. You know who's also falling off a cliff. Who? My guy, Clint Frazier. Uh, oh, right. yeah, it's I, I kind of could. Not uh, I, haven't, for our boy, I, I haven't checked. Well, well, I will say it, these trades, Luke Voigt is injured, so I, I give him a pass. Like, although Luke Voigt had like 13 walks in his first like eight games, but so that's classic Voigt. But like, yeah. I will say if these players all. He's been hurt, up, though. Yeah, if, yeah, he has like, he's on the 10 day AL, but like, yeah. uh, uh, if you look around the league and like by the end of the year, all these players that like the, the Yankees have kind of shipped off we think for nothing, you know, don't do well, like Brian Cashman will look better. Like, but you know, I mean, right. so but, like Tyro Estrada right now is going, doing well. And like, obviously Garrett right. Whitlock is doing well, but like, well, Garrett Whitlock, that's, that's tough. Cause they let him go in the rule five the draft. Rule that's five tough draft. That's also kind of yeah. like, I don't know. And then the Red Sox got him. It's like, come on. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't really know. I have Whitlock on my his, fantasy team. I don't know enough about. Thank you for sharing. Uh, no, I'm like, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't know enough about Garrett Whitlock's development. Like at, at the time that the Yankees gave him up, so I can't really say. I can't really comment. But like, all I know is really more specific. He wasn't what like, he is now, but it, it, there was enough. It was an oversight. It was an oversight, and they will never admit it. We don't know. But but, well, whatever. I guess what I'm saying more is just also like. We'll see about Miguel Andujar, who's coming up soon, and like right. So the Yankees just called up Andujar. He's on the. He's officially on the roster. Um, but basically, my point is, is that Joel Sherman wrote an article, um, and when I read it, I didn't disagree with him, which is that the Yankees is this game, like whatever game it was at the time, because they had just lost to the Blue Jays, so maybe it was a game, or they had just lost to the Orioles rather, which you can't be doing. They got destroyed by the Orioles, so I guess it was maybe like game. 10 or 11 and it was saying like is this game 172 or is this game 10 like is this a continuation of last year and his point was is that last year the Yankees offense was so hot and cold and relied so heavily on the home run that it's not going to be sustainable for this season and again 
it'll be interesting to see what the Yankees offense does because if you look at the moves that Brian Cashman made in the offseason, not moves that obviously jumped out, but going out and getting a Jose Trevino. I mean, to have a backup catcher to Higashioka, Trevino might end up becoming the everyday catcher because just based on what he's been able to provide on the offensive end, it's just been more than Higashioka, who's only been able to string together a couple of hits after having a hot spring, which I said to everybody that that was going to happen, that Higashioka doesn't matter about his spring, but we got to, whatever. I'm not going to get to that right now. Well, I mean, I um, mean Jose Trevino, I, I, you know me, I am the first to say catchers are, it's a defensive first position. You really have to take that into account. Uh, Lou Trevino is batting 238 with no home runs, two RBIs. So I don't. He hasn't right. like been super. Good. <laughs> like I'm not. I, I listen again. I, I understand. But he provides depth. He provides depth. He and he's come up. I, I honestly like if you look at his overall stats. Yes, two thirty eight, two seventy three OPP. He's doing nothing right. But he has come up in the clutch over the past couple of games recently for the Yankees. So that's that's all I'm saying. And I he, see and what you're saying. Yeah. And in in an instance where Higashioka has been like striking out like a little bit too much. Oh no! What did I just do? I just lost. Well, Kyle Higashioka uh, is batting is batting one twenty eight with one RBI. Exactly, with yeah. five hits. One twenty eight. I mean, that's that's tough. One twenty eight is tough. Um, but then he went out. He got Marlon Gonzalez, obviously trading for Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. Um, you have Anthony Rizzo. Um, who Marlon Gonzalez no got day. a key RBI today. So, like, there you go. Right. So, so this team is deep. You know, they have the depth there. My The only thing that you worry about is are they going to be prone to completely falling silent? Getting shut which they down can do, in, in individual right? games, yeah. Which they could do. I Actually, it's funny. It's like if only you can go back in time and like tell Yankees fans what they were in for when they were getting mad at John Carlos Stanton. Because now in hindsight, you look at Stanton and you're like, this guy has been nothing but consistent and on point for the Yankees for the past couple of years when the Yankees were getting so mad at him when they first came over for striking out so much. Like, let me tell you about this guy named Joey Gallo who's been turning well, up I, the past I, couple I, of so days. So I, I take your point. I take your point about, I guess you're saying, like the lineup being, I guess, prone to inconsistency in terms of just like, you know, because when you're a three-true outcomes lineup, you do have kind of less control over the, uh, I would say, like, A, how often you're getting on base. There's just less opportunities to get on base if you're striking out so much. And B, striking out so much. Like, I, I you know, I, 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 I think that um, the Yankees are this team that is, pr- you know, pretty prone to the strikeout. But right, would but, you say yes. that the adding of, like, an Isaiah kind of Falefa or a DJ Mayhew to like pepper in that's what maybe I'm some yeah some on yeah, base guys and Rizzo, so I'm saying and Rizzo that, yeah uh, exactly so I'm saying that like what Cashman did in the offseason while subtle did add in these guys who can hit the other way and who can get a base hit when you need them to so that you're not relying on Joey Gallo hitting fifth in the lineup when you have Stanton and Judge ahead of him you can now slide in Rizzo Donaldson uh kind of Falefa who who I think we all were like immediately like this guy can't hit, and then when you actually look at his offensive stats, he does provide some value. Um, and also having Marwin Gonzalez, obviously. What worries me clearly is Glaber Torres. And so one of the issues that we talked about with the Yankees last time is this: did they have too much depth? Where they're going to have to rest somebody every day. Um, but Glaber Torres has gotten off to a really, really bad start. He has. Yeah, I know. A 212 batting average, a 263 OBP, a 628 OPS. That's in 52 at bats, six RBIs. Yeah, he's been really bad. It's really tough to watch. It's been really tough to watch, Glaber. Glaber, I still, I'm. We're gonna, and this is a sneak peek, I guess, into another episode. We're gonna have a deep dive. You know, what? One of the things that we talked about earlier in the year is who is gonna have the greatest year-over-year improvement, him or Francisco Lindor. This is prior to the season. You and I were talking about this. We're not saying who's gonna have a better season. The question we asked. Such a good question oh the the season question was the question we have is like who is like relative to what they were last year who's going to have the better the better year again making it clear it's not it's not about overall output obviously like do you remember i don't think i think we i think we skewed lindor but okay uh, 
But like again, like it's it's Lindor had a relatively good year last year, whereas Glaber had almost like a lost year. So we, you know, we we could. I, I don't want to get it. I don't want to get too much into one specific player because we will do a specific. We will do a deep dive on Glaber uh, at a future right. episode. But so you know, don't want to like you know give away all the tricks right now. But right. You know, um, I, I guess what I'm saying about the, the the Yankees offense though is, you know, when you look again, like stats like home runs, like I think we can say the Yankees probably can consistently hit home runs every every night. Like, I think what of I think course. isn't been Anthony able to hit Rizzo home runs every night for the past six years. Well, that's right. So that's kind of where just redundant I'm going every next. year. Yeah. So adding in a Rizzo, you know, and I don't even know if the Yankees went about it purposefully, which is funny. You know, I actually think that they brought in these guys specifically because maybe they're they're prone to hitting more home runs in Yankee Stadium. I don't really know if they brought and I don't want to I don't know if I can give them all the credit in the world that they brought in Rizzo to be like, this is a guy who can just hit, you know, all sides of the field. You know, I really do actually might think that it might be based on the fact of what he can do in Yankee Stadium as a left handed batter. Yeah, for and sure. The fact that he can bring in and that obviously frustrates me in terms of what are the Yankees prioritizing. And I don't think we're going to get into the whole like debate that I wanted to get into. Maybe we'll save that for another episode. But when it comes down to Glaber Torres, Joey Gallo has been doing really well over the um, past like, over few the past, days. Yeah. The past couple of days, though. So, again, like you have to wait. To be, and the thing is, is that I don't want – I want to preface these statements by saying that I want someone like Joey Gallo. I want Joey Gallo to do well. You know, I almost the three a three true outcomes player that's so specific to Joey Gallo. I think that if you were to take any player in the league and be like, "What's the definition of three true outcomes?" It would it's be Joey, Joey Gallo. Gallo. I also think but, though it's like it's very it's very tough that the shift ban- the banning of the shift, which is probably inevitable, didn't happen this year because it is tough. Jo- Joey is Gallo, tough. if if like. I think it was a couple right, of years because ago. Because all he, those weighted stats, well, he all those batted, weighted stats basically remove fielding, which would then which would then put in your mind saying, okay, if there was no shift, this is what he would be hitting. And it's like, okay. I, so you, I see your point. Well, I, don't even, of, I don't even think we need stats to tell us that. Like, you just look at his spray charts, and it's like, holy shit. And if you look at his – okay, maybe I am saying we're getting into, like, more stats. But, like, if you look at his average right. exit velo, his max exit velo, and then his about. spray right. charts, yeah. It's like the year I think that he batted – uh, what was it like in 2021? He batted like, oh man, it was like it was like, what was it? Uh, 199 with 38 right. home runs and 111 walks and 213 strikeouts. Like that's and it, right. uh, and he had a 351 on base percentage. It's like that seems like, I don't know. That's just it's it's almost right. like ridiculous. But what gets like, me what gets me worried about Joey Gallo is that his his career on base percentage is 330. And I just I don't know I thought it would be higher like I thought like he would as a guy who was like supposed to be this dude who's like almost like great like well I don't know like he batted in twenty twenty he batted one eighty one and like a three hundred one on base percentage like that's kind of hard to do like I don't know it's I think that's hilarious but like but like but but again like like when you look at players typically that that, after what period of time though. Are we gonna be like this? Is who this player is, and it is throw who he out is. these peripheral stats. No, no, you know no. no. I mean? like, I, I'm more saying like the, the specifically on... banning the shift. I think will add his. My my point is like if you give Joey Gallo like 20 more points of of um, average, yeah. we were talking about like a seven win, six win player, which is like absurd Bro, to think about a 2020 20 average. You know, his weighted on base average for last year was what was it was what? 350. That's amazing. 350. That's amazing. You know what his on-base percentage was, though, in reality? Um, I do because I'm like it literally looking at it. It was 254. It was 254 between Texas and the Yankees. Well, you said his on-base. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. I was about to say. No, yeah, yeah. I was going to say his on-base percentage last year was actually was actually pretty, pretty high. Yeah, pretty yeah, high. But with the Yankees, it was low. I, and I don't have that in front of me right now. But The it Yankees, was, it was 303. Yankees. It was 303 yeah. with the Yankees, yeah. Um. But, but we're getting on a tangent about Joey Gallo. I think the the most important thing to think about is like overall. I will ask, uh, and I guess we'll sort of wrap with a general okay. question, and then this last question is like on a night to night basis. Like, let's say you make 
you make it to the promised land, right? I, again, we're we're twenty games in, but let's promised land meaning what World the, Series or, or like you get to the end of the year and it's like we're kind of like ramping up, ready to go, like for the playoffs. Okay. Is this a team? Not that necessarily you're the promised land, but the road to the promised land. The road to the pro. Oh yeah, I forgot we're talking about the Yankees, right? Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, if if we didn't if we didn't uh, do the most improbable thing ever, it was a failed season. Oh god, that's. I don't know. I, I always debate whether who's more dysfunctional as a, as a philosophy, uh, or who's, but Mets are fans or Yankees fans. But um, I will say, like, does the lineup <laughs> does the lineup concern you, like, on a night to night basis and for like the playoffs? Again, I know we're twenty games in, eighth of the season. Like, yes, really silly me. question. Yes, but. it does. It does concern me. I but okay. So uh, this is a little bit of a cheap answer. But it's the truth. It's the way that I feel. Does it concern me? Yes. If it were to perform better than I expected, I would not be surprised. But I can only go off of what the Yankees have given me. You know what I mean? I'm not some statistician sitting here putting together all these guys' weighted stats and what I expect them to do. I'm only going off of what they've given me. Over the past couple of years, it's a roster that is somewhat similar to years prior. But I do believe, I can I rely on Isaiah Kiner-Falefa to provide offensive value, enough offensive value that will propel the Yankees forward over the course of a season? No. Can I rely on on Glaber Torres? To completely turn it around. I cannot yeah, rely on it. Point. I can't rely on it. I can't. You know, it's been enough time now. I cannot rely on Gleyber Torres to become enough of an impact player within the lineup. So that scares me. So I think that the Yankees are prone to having holes in their lineup um, that can go into dangerous slumps. And I'm not sure if they have immediate backup relief that will provide the same type of offensive value in terms of creating runs. So, like, yeah, they brought up Miguel Andujar. Can I rely on Miguel Andujar? No, I cannot. Did he just go off in the minor leagues? Yes, he did. He just absolutely, like, demolished the minor leagues. So that's hopeful. But can I rely on it? I cannot. Can I rely on Tim LeCastro if I need him to slide in and take over it for Aaron Hicks? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, can I rely on Marwin Gonzalez to be my everyday shortstop if Kinda Falefa tears his Achilles? No, I can't. So I'm I'm not a hundred percent confident in the lineup, but if you were to tell me that they were to finish in first place with ninety five wins or finish in with the first wild card, I obviously would not be surprised either. If that okay. makes any sense. That makes sense. No, that does make sense. And I guess I'll like that answers that 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 does answer the question completely. And I I guess I'll just end with one final thing. Uh, if you go on fan graphs and look at roster resource, uh, I this is I guess really just one final thing that I'll say. And it is jumping back to the pitching. Uh, unlike the Mets, for who the Mets or the Yankees? Or the no, Yankees. this is for the Yankees. So unlike the Mets. A lot of these Yankee players, a lot of the pitchers on the Yankees uh, uh, roster have options. So, like, if we're talking, I guess it also connects with with Glaber because, like, we're talking about a player. I don't think he has any left now. But, like, if you want to, we the rosters are going to retract soon. And so you're going from 28 guys to 26. You can still have. uh, I think more than the average 12 pitchers. I think you can have 14 still. But yeah. um, yeah. But, like, Jonathan Lewisega has an option. Michael King has two. Not that you'd send him down. Wandy Peralta, who you might, has one. Ron, Mor- Ron uh, Marinaccio, who I, I've heard uh, – I have not seen him pitch yet, um, has three. It, it, Clark Schmidt yeah, has Marinaccio's, two. Marinaccio's going down. You think so? Okay. I was going to ask – that was my second question. I was like, who do you think Because the Yankees like down? him a lot, but because he has three options, three he's going to go down. And gonna... then I wouldn't be surprised. How many options does LeCastro have? Do you have that in front of you? Um, I can find it. He has one. Oh, okay. Oh, Miguel Andujar has one, but I'm not sure if this is updated. But he, he, I think he actually that that tracks because he he. I don't uh, know if they want to send Andujar down and waste that final option. Though, no, they, they wouldn't. Yeah, they. Why would they call him up and then? But I'm saying at some point, if they really want to, they can. So Yankees have a lot of options. Like 
also, yeah, I don't know. Like, Jose Trevino has options. Like, Glaber, if they really Schmidt? want to send him down. Schmidt has options. Schmidt, Schmidt has two options. It's going to be. It's going to probably be Marinaccio and Schmidt. Yeah, so there you go. So, Yankees Schmidt, have a flexible Schmidt still needs some work, and yeah. they can always recall him. Exactly. So, Sorry, you say know, that one more time? No, no, they just, they, they just, the Yankees have a lot of options, and I think that's going to work in their favor. You know, so, um, uh, yep, so... Uh, our one one final thing: Are you changing any predictions, or your has your sentiment about the Mets or Yankees changed uh, so far from what we've seen? Well, I said 91-92 wins for the Mets, so I think that's I think that's still a fair. I think that's a safe. safe I want to say for my projections. No, they haven't changed. I think the Yankees. I think I think that we didn't really talk about anybody else in the American League. Which we should probably oh, should we, have, but we probably should have, yeah, us. yeah, but yeah. But I do. I wouldn't be surprised. I think the Blue Jays. Blue Jays' offense has been not great, which is weird. But like that's the, the one. Jays that's the biggest not, strength we thought, and is like right. not. Been. It's it's been not great. Now I don't think that's going to to stay the same. But I look at the Blue Jays, and they just remind me of the Yankees a couple of years ago, and they I do not think that they have the pitching to carry them throughout the season. I could be wrong. I could be completely. I could be completely wrong. But mm. are we relying on Jose Barrios for an entire season? Are we relying on um, who am I? Who, why? Why is his name? Well, well, Alec Manoa is a, you know a relatively unproven commodity. Uh, you have Hunjin Ryu, who I think will bounce it's back. It's Ryu, Gosman, uh, Barrios, and then a cast of characters. And what's going on with their bullpen? Yeah, um, their their bullpen's also uh, been lacking. They traded uh, part of their bullpen for to the to the A's. So, so if you wanted to make a too early kind of optimistic, uh, but they are pretty maybe, they are tied for first place in the wins column. So let's give when them we some look credit. at just very very quickly, and then we'll end. When we look at the entire American League, just you know, you have the Rays, you have the Blue Jays, the Red Sox. I think those three teams, in terms of the entire American League, maybe not the Red Sox, maybe more so the Rays and the Blue Jays, are the Yankees' biggest threat in terms of when you look at like roster depth and what they can do moving forward. Are we going to rely on the Angels? No. Nope. Uh, the Twins are obviously not going to do anything. The White Sox are probably going to yeah, end up winning the twins that division. Are like, yeah, Twins are like... The White Sox are going to win that division, and I don't think the White Sox are... A I don't threat. Know, the White Sox, yeah. they don't really excite me. The Astros, who knows with the Astros, they're so up and down, like so yeah. hot and cold. They, they'll fuck around and like make the World Series, and you'll be like, what the hell just happened? Like, do you remember? <laughs> like, yo, the Astros made the World Series last year. I totally forgot yeah, about that. It is weird to think about. You're actually, that's weird. That's like, you're right. I, I, I sometimes do forget that. Um, so I think that like while Yankees fans may have lost their mind over the offseason, I think when you look at the entirety of the American League, I think they might be the best team in the American League. Like, I don't know. It's possible. Could be, yeah. But well, well, I guess the point of an, well, an eighth into the eighth, an eighth into the season projection or, or assessment is that it's an eighth yeah. into the season, and there's still a lot of games <laughs> to play. So, um, that's yeah, a good Nationals place to wrap. It is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's so many teams, and that it's disproportionate. It's usually the other way around. But yeah. that'll that'll do it for us. Um, this was a long episode, so I hope you stayed through. Um, Wasn't that bad. Yeah, Wasn't no, bad. for sure. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, we're less on social media these days. I don't think anybody actually, like, goes to our social media to, like, find our podcast. But if you do... It's a bad job by us. It's thanks. Bad job. Well, either way, thank you for joining us again. Uh, we will be doing this uh, again next week, so hopefully stick around. If you have any ever have any questions, also, sometimes we get those. Uh, we will also do a better job of answering them if, if they ever hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter. But that'll do it for us. I'm Nick Wilson. Uh, this is Alessandro Vigenero, my co-host, and we will see you 